Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So I first started at Politico in February, and I had been doing COVID reporting, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic. And one of the more frustrating things that I found in my reporting was that I couldn't really get my hands on great data as it related to COVID, um, at least on a county level and on a state level. So I started poking around and looking at the data gaps. There was no centralized system where I could go and and get really good data, uh, up-to-date real-time data. I ended up poking around with sources on the ground in the States and at the CDC. And what I came to find out was that our public health data infrastructure was just a mess. Um, The states didn't have good systems. The systems they had didn't talk to one another. They didn't talk to other states. And the CDC was having a really hard time getting good data from the state level. So it was skewing the national picture. And uh, it sort of sent me down the road to start talking to as many people as I could to find out what exactly was going on. My name is Erin Banco, and I'm a healthcare reporter with Politico. We talked to basically every single public health department across the country, and what we found is that they used outdated arcane data systems that prevented them from accessing critical COVID-19 data in real time, whereby they could contact trace and contain the virus. Uh, on the ground in their communities. And it's important because had they had the funding and the resources they needed, these health departments would have been able to better uh, control the spread of the virus and potentially save more lives. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Inside America's COVID Reporting Breakdown. So, When certain communities have outbreaks of, for example, measles or mumps, the numbers are usually pretty low, right? Mm -hmm. So the state public health department will take in lab results um, for, for, let's just say, measles, and they'll take those cases and they'll put them into their data system and they'll be able to go through each of those case files one by one, do contact tracing, do case investigations, how did this person contract the virus, and they're able to sort of do all of that in, in in one system and contain it, get people the right care that they need. But with COVID, what ended up happening was that the the number of lab reports, you know, that were coming into the state public health department were just astronomical. They were huge. There were thousands a day. Um, so the labs themselves were really backed up. And when the labs are backed up, you know, that ends up <laughs> making it so that the lab reports themselves are about 10 days late. So the health department can't, uh, you know, efficiently do their job. They can't call the person who's positive and say, you need to isolate and you need to quarantine. Oh, and by the way, who have you been in contact with? So the whole process just gets delayed. And as a result, the virus continues to proliferate. More people get infected, more people get sick, and more people die. Yeah, it was kind of amazing reading your story detailing how all of this data reporting went so wrong, because I think a lot of us were aware of how it felt like data wasn't out there and how health officials were scrambling when COVID was first surging in the U.S. But seeing the detail that you uncovered of how all this got backed up, I mean, you have big issues like a lack of funding for state health departments, arcane technology being used for all this data, overwhelmed labs, and then what sound like little things, but obviously things that can have huge impacts like labs using 
fax machines, even snail mail the USPS to report data to, to health officials. I mean, what was it like talking to the health officials working on this in, in your story and investigating some of the problems that they had to deal with? So I found that most of the public health officials that I spoke to were really willing to speak on the record. Uh, they have been trying to find fixes for these issues for a very long time. They've been asking for more funding from Congress and from the federal government to modern modernize their systems and just to make them better overall. That's been something that's been going on for nearly two decades. So most of the public health officials I spoke to were wanting to come out and talk about the problems they were having to sort of draw attention to the issue. Most of them are completely burnt out. A lot of them have left their posts from the health department because COVID sort of did them in. Um, I think a lot of them feel overwhelmed by the fact that they couldn't contain cases as well as they thought they should have if they had had the data systems that they really needed and the funding that they needed. Um, many of these health departments did not have enough staff for things like contact tracing, even for the best, you know, health departments out there, they were still struggling under just a mountain of cases. This all makes me wonder how different could things have turned out if we didn't have some of these issues, if labs weren't swamped, if there were more communication, if states weren't using outdated systems, could we have controlled this better? Look, these systems have been outdated for a really long time. Under no circumstances should health departments be receiving lab reports for COVID-19 through the U.S. postal system or, or through a fax machine and then having to manually enter them into an electronic system whereby they can then track that person and track how the virus is moving. I mean, we should have updated these systems more than 10 years ago um, to the point where every state health department is using the same system that can talk to one another. Things come in and upload automatically and health officials need to just then work within the system itself, not having to draw in all sorts of files from elsewhere and get everything in one spot before they even begin to do the case investigation. It just delays case surveillance, which for a disease like COVID, you know, that that is highly transmissible and infects at a very high rate, um, um, that can create massive problems for containment and for for saving lives. I mean, if these systems had been updated and had health departments had the staff that they needed, they would have been able to better handle, you know, containment and quarantine and isolation in their communities and perhaps save more lives. And that's a huge deal. Uh, you know, look, I think there are obviously other factors for how and why COVID proliferated in the U.S. And, and spread throughout the country and across the world. And, you know, public health departments can't defend against those those factors, right? They can't stop COVID from coming from the U.S. But what they can do with the right resources is they can make people's lives better and they can try to uh, make it so more people don't get sick and die. And And that's um, something that weighs very heavily on on the minds of public health officials that's overwhelmed them and exhausted them and burned them out, whereby so many of them have left their jobs now. Have any of these systems been improved? I mean, we're, we're in the middle of another surge in infections right now. I know it's not really the same as like scrambling to figure this out at the beginning of the pandemic, but we're being hit hard by Delta. Are these problems that 
persist or have we figured out, I don't know, how, how to fix some of this? These problems still exist today, which is a huge concern for public health officials and federal officials alike who are in the middle of trying to figure out how to contain Delta. Uh, look, some states have made improvements to their to their data platforms. They've hired new vendors, new contractors, got new kinds of systems in place and tried to train staff. But it's nowhere near where it needs to be, particularly because they don't have the funding that they need to improve this entire process yet. President Biden has allocated, you know, tens of millions of dollars to this issue specifically in his budget. Um, The CDC has promised to divert that money in the coming months. But this is still uh, a process and it will take uh, years. So we're nowhere near where we need to be right now. Whose fault is this? You said we should have updated a lot of this stuff like 10 years ago. I mean, why didn't we? And who who's that up to? Uh, it's up to Congress and the federal government to make sure that public health departments across the country have the funding they need. Um, I think part of this is because we've been battling other challenges in the public health sphere for some time that took people's thinking away from the the data modernization issue uh, onto other issues. You know, after 9-11, there was a lot of money that was put toward things like bioterrorism prevention or um, making sure our public health departments, you know, had the resources they need to fight things like anthrax, right? And so that was a huge talking point and focal point after 9-11. And then things shifted under the Obama administration where we were trying to fight um, disease overseas. So there was Ebola, there was Zika, there were all sorts of other global viruses that we were trying to dedicate our resources to. You know, we did have flare-ups with, for example, H1N1, um, but it, it was almost as though those flare-ups here in the U.S. were not big enough to grab the attention of the stakeholders in the federal government to make them see that we needed more resources for case surveillance and for data modernization improvements. And part of the problem is that this is just a Swiss cheese type of of problem whereby every state has almost a different kind of data system they use to track reportable diseases or infectious diseases. And so getting every single state on board to be able to change their systems and sort of work together is, is a huge task. And not every state health department is willing to make those large changes because they're so used to their old systems and their staff is trained with their old systems. So it's really about finding ways to get the right kind of technology in front of these public health officials where they can use it, they know how to use it, it can work well, um, and that they're comfortable with it. And they get the right people in place who know how to use these systems. And that's going to be a huge struggle in the months and uh, years to come. Aaron Banco, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett will visit the White House later this month and meet with President Biden for the first time since assuming office. That's according to a statement from Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Bennett took office in June after the ousting of Prime Minister Netanyahu, the conservative leader who had been in power since 2009. Netanyahu made multiple visits to the U.S. during his time as prime minister and had a close relationship with former President Trump. Speaking in a press conference on Wednesday, Bennett said the topic of Iran would be central 
his conversation with Biden on August 26th, and that they'll discuss an approach to prevent Iran from nearing a nuclear breakout. And the Treasury Department is taking steps to prevent the Taliban from accessing $450 million in aid from the International Monetary Fund in the wake of the group's takeover of Afghanistan. The IMF, with U.S. backing, is issuing billions of dollars to aid poorer countries. A portion of those assets is scheduled to be allocated to Afghanistan next week, an event that has generated urgent pushback from Republican lawmakers. The move to block the funds is the latest effort by the U.S. government to withhold financial resources from the Taliban after it also cut off access to Afghanistan's central bank assets, roughly $7 billion of which are held at the U.S. Federal Reserve. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.